instead of bang. <laughs> it's still rather loud. It's still very loud. You'll have fun editing that. Sound. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Maniacs. It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into the episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, and the loonies, and everything else we love. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mark. And this is a spoiler podcast, so if you haven't seen episode two of season 21, The Miniature Murders, stop right now, pause, do not listen. Instead, go listen to the mini episode we made about The Miniature Murders, which is spoiler free. You can listen to that first, then watch the episode, and then listen to this, because we are about to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing listening to our podcast? If your kids can handle a murder show with a lot of dollhouses in it, they can handle this podcast. Absolutely. Is that everything? Yes. (laughs) That's all the stuff at the beginning, all the stuff at the top. Just a quick reminder that uh, if you buy any merch right now, all the proceeds are going to go to World Central Kitchen to provide hot meals for people in Ukraine and, and Poland and nearby. If you're new to the show, a couple of things happened this week. One, we put put out a reel on Thursday. Yes. That was May, May the 4th, 4th be, be Midsummer. <laughs> Star Wars Midsummer mashup. Yep. That was brilliant. And I mean, it was fun. You did such a good job. Everybody like we took actors who show up in the original Star Wars. There's three of them. Yeah. That then show up in a Midsummer. A Midsummer. There's three of them. Yes. And, and we didn't do the other Star Wars movies because uh, I just wanted to give credit to episode three. Old school. Old school. Yeah, yeah. And that was uh, fantastic. People uh, did that. By the way, if you're uh, not following us on Instagram, please follow us. We are almost at 1,000 <laughs> followers on Instagram. And if we have 1,000 followers on Instagram... I will be able to link directly to episodes and things like that in the stories and reels. Oh, cool. So that will be coming soon. So you'll just be able to flip up and go right to the episode. But that's like the story of all of our social accounts. We're almost to the point where we'll be able to do some more cool stuff. In- almost. Instagram, we're a lot closer. I think we're 12 away. Oh, right now. <laughs> that's totally possible then. Yeah, we're pretty close. I don't even know if I follow us on Instagram. Well, you don't. Oh. I don't really use Instagram. <laughs> Well, I have like 15 Instagram accounts, so I should probably follow us too. You know, I used to teach social media marketing. Yep. And back then I had to be on every platform, using it all, learning it all, figuring it all out all the time with all the changes that they would, you know, institute constantly. And I stopped teaching that class. And since then, I think I've tweeted once. Well, wow. like, <laughs> on, I'm on Reddit. On top of it all. On top Pinterest. Of it all, I'm all over Pinterest. The main newsletter came out. Yes. And in the main newsletter, we had the schedule for May, like we always do. We had Sarah Recommends, which is, was there four or five podcasts? Five. Five awesome podcasts. If you like Midsummer Maniacs, you will probably like all five of the podcasts I recommended. Yes. And then we had a survey for what we would like to cover first. As Mystery Maniacs. As Mystery Maniacs. When we run out of Midsummer, where are we going to start? So now you're like, wait, there's a newsletter and a survey and I missed it? 
go to our website at midsummermaniacs.transistor.fm or midsummermaniacs.com. Same place. Yeah. Ends up at the same place. Go to the bottom of the page, put it in your email. That's cool. Or look at my tweets for Midsummer Maniacs. The list, the link is there too. Yeah. So just because you haven't subscribed to a newsletter doesn't mean that you can't see that list of recommended podcasts or take part in that survey we but we, we would w- love to have w- your input on the survey we would love you to subscribe to the newsletter yeah and the people who subscribe to the newsletter are fabulous our metrics on the newsletter are just amazing we absolutely <laughs> i i the, tell the them, people we know who work in marketing we tell them our open rate and they're like what <laughs> never mind the the survey has the survey had four responses before I got finished sending it out to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, whoa! That's so responsive. We, yeah. we really appreciate yeah, it. We're, absolutely. I'm not nervous about Mystery Maniacs, but I don't want to screw it up. Well, you know? again, I um, want to, I really want to make sure that we do something that there, everybody likes. There will be a call to action, which is reminiscent of a 70s hair product commercial where we are going to ask you to tell two friends and have them tell two friends. About I don't remember mystery, that commercial. I was mystery a baby. Maniacs, and uh, we will definitely <laughs> be enlisting the Mystery Maniacs army. Wh- what? commercial are you talking about uh i forget what what shampoo like head and shoulders or something and you were supposed to tell two friends that you use head and shoulders and i told two friends and then i told two friends and then i told two friends oh okay it's it's a whole before my time (laughs) it's social media before social media it's called word of mouth marketing yes Mm. that's Mm. absolutely what it's called so if you're interested in the survey if you're interested in the mail mailing list if you're interested in that reel that is super cool and has star wars music in it you know where to find us yeah yeah speaking of uh social stuff we got some interesting emails this week couple of emails, couple of emails from listeners. The first one was from a, a lady named Monica, who is just fantastic. Yes. She wrote to us that she was having trouble sleeping because of all this stuff with COVID and it had really affected her personally. Yeah. And she said our podcast put her to sleep. Is that good? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet dreams, Monica. <laughs> but Monica is also an incredible technical medical il- illustrator. Yeah. She draws like the kind of stuff you see in biology textbooks. And then she posted a picture of her wearing a midsummer t-shirt. And I was just floored midsummer maniacs t-shirt yeah that somebody who creates art for a living has my art on their shirt your art is amazing that makes me feel so good that's super cool and then also there's a giant climbing wall behind her that she's gonna climb and by the way she's 60 she's kick-ass she's kick monica you're a kick-ass absolutely kick-ass and then we got another email which was kind of weird and rambling but awesome. Oh yeah. Because the best part of it was this this is a direct quote from the from the email. Most of all, I appreciate the super small tidbits that you often dip in the silly sauce and sometimes batter fry in weird. Yes. I kind of want to put that on a t-shirt. 100% <laughs> yes. That's My fantastic. whole life is dipped in silly sauce and batter fried and weird. Send us emails, send us messages. We Send love us it. comments. It, all your feedback. We, all we read all of it. Emails. They're all fantastic. We read them all. And we care. We absolutely do. Yeah. We have, we have, like, I have a folder of 
emails that I go back to when I feel a little disheartened or anything. And like, it just picks me up yep. to know that people are listening and they appreciate it. That's so why a lot of people it. listen to us when they're going to sleep. I'm That's a all right. About, I don't know how they can sleep with lulled, me cackling away. I'm lulled into sleep with my deep voice. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> No, we occasionally break into song too. I mean, you just can't, you can't predict it. We also got an email asking us if we would be interested in a sponsorship. Now we, we get, don't do ads. We get a lot of spot. I got, I got one yesterday that was for, for designer handbags. Oh, because have you listened to our freaking podcast? <laughs> Clearly not. Well, people can't see because this is this is you know a podcast. But I have a designer handbag right here oh, next do? to me. You do all the time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's extremely beautiful and ornate and fancy and not real. Not real. Okay. No. Well, we did get approached by a company that we had to consider because we only promote things that we already like. We only promote things we already like, and we don't take money for it. Yes. Though if. I know it's not related to the podcast, but any guitar company that wants to give me any <laughs> guitar equipment. Because look, you're sitting right right there with your beautiful guitar right next to yes. you. It's no, magic. no, yeah. I have a crappy guitar. <laughs> I sure would love a nice new one. That has nothing to do with Midsummer. You no. should have done that when the Axeman cometh yes, episode I was up. Anyway. Anyhow, this, this was is, uh, an email from Kiwi Games who make the, the Midsummer Murders um, iOS and, and Android app. And the first thing that stopped me in my tracks about the email that they came to us is they said, we listened to your podcast and we think this would be a good fit. Yes. And it was from a real person, not a fake Instagram account. Or some company that shills for other companies who might want to be sponsors. What I don't yep. care about your down there shaving kit. I, <laughs> I kind of just want to do a podcast on how horrible it is to have people approach you about doing it. Yeah, fun. yeah. We do this, remember, we do this for fun. Right. And we do not do this to make money. No. We both have full-time jobs. We make no money. We make on this. no money no. on this. This is a labor of love. It's not meant to be something that we go into to make money. We're not interested in money. Our our expenses are incredibly small. Yeah. Because of the way we work this. Right. right. Because of that, we said instead of giving us money, would you be interested in giving a donation to World Central Kitchen? Yeah. That if is, you'll do that in exchange, we'd be happy to talk about your game because we already like it. Yes. And they said, yes. They said, of course, that's a great idea. Yeah. And then they so, did. So we simply, they they made a donation, a, a very generous donation mm -hmm. to, to World Central Kitchen. They sent us, the other thing is they're completely proactive and professional. Yeah, they sent you proof that they'd done it. They sent me proof that they'd <laughs> done it. As if we wouldn't believe them. <laughs> and we absolutely, you know, at, we've mentioned this game before. Yeah. So then the name of the game. It's Midsummer Murders. And then I think it has yes. a colon mystery no, game or something. No it's, no, it's Midsummer Murders. That's what they call it on, yes. their, yeah. on their game. And what it is, is you play the Barnaby's niece. Elizabeth Barnaby. Yes. Who is a new detective, newly assigned to Midsummer, lowest on the totem pole. Yes. But it is Midsummer. 
It's midsummer. <laughs> it's midsummer for a couple of reasons. One, it has familiar things in it. Yeah. And there's including pop- Patty. Patty is in the game and he is they they do a really good job on the Patty artwork, yeah. I would say. You were expected to know who John and Tom are. Oh yeah. Like it is a game for fans. Yeah. Now detective games are really difficult because you don't want to play a game where you only play it once. Right. Right. And Nor do you want to create a game where you can get stuck. Right. Yes. Like, like uh, there are some mystery games where if you don't figure it out, you're just done. Like, that's just it. So and I don't like that. In this game, you there are many games to complete, like little quests. Yeah. You solve cases. You do what they call crosswords, which mm-hmm. are kind of fun little word games. Mm-hmm. And in addition, they you get to interrogate subst- uh, suspects too and meet characters who are definitely people that you would see on Midsummer. That's what I liked most about it. Yeah. Is that it feels like Midsummer. It, it they clearly studied the show. Doesn't feel like Midsummer. <laughs> like there are weirdos in there. <laughs> yeah. People who are kind of obsessed about stuff. The you know, people treat you like the Barnabys and the show get treated. You're really more like a sergeant. Yeah. And but I do like this is video games, an industry dominated by male centric games. Mm-hmm. A game that is led by a, a woman. Yep. Who is. There's no love interest. She's not no like. no love interest. I've got to decorate my house. And she is more than competent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think my, my only critique of it is that. When I play it on my phone, my phone uh, is not ginormous like yours. And there are times when I wish I could zoom a little bit better, you know, so I could see things a bit better. But my it's, only it's critique, rare. My only critique of the game is that my eyesight is not good because though I have a giant phone, <laughs> you still can't see everything. To see. <laughs> and that is not Kiwi's fault. It is well worth a play. If you like Midsummer, I think you'll like it. And, and it's free. It's free, and they're obviously a good company. Yep, it's available at the App Store, the uh, the Apple App Store, and the Google Play, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. And if you need something to kill some time while you're waiting on the bus or having some coffee or trying to yep. ignore people at work, it's, it's a good use of your time. It's and fun. remember, these people, when we said we'd like you to help out, they said okay. yes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get killed by a potted plant in the first 10 minutes yeah, like I did with that book. Yeah, as opposed to the book, there's no potted plant death. The answer, will you survive midsummer for me, is no, definitely no. not. <laughs> I died, 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 died. So All right, are you ready to talk about miniature murders? Mini episode number two for miniature murders was entitled, Do Not Eat the Bubbles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There are a lot of bubbles. In that episode, we talked about the BritBox descriptions, but we can't talk about them anymore because it's not on BritBox. No, no. The degrees that Midsummer University may offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the non-kid-friendly things in, in Jemima's Soft Play Center. Mm-hmm. We also asked what debut album all the kids at the school <laughs> like. That room is weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, did you Aaron's notice, office at the university. Did you notice the giant S-P-I-D-E-R on the wall? Uh-huh, because okay. it's Halloween. Yeah. What? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. She also has a pig wearing a mask. 
And a lot of skulls, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, History of Midsummer County founding date. And we had a puzzle, which was how is Olive Olive Beauvoisin his great aunt? Great aunt. We've had so many people already answer that. They've done the math. Oh, on, on all I the, know is she looked good for her age. That's the, all I can on say. On the mini episode <laughs> YouTube page, especially, is a vigorous discussion of how because they seem to be about the same age. Yeah, but he, but she's his great aunt. Yeah, time passes differently in Midsummer, apparently. So if you watch Like a Maniac, you might have answers to some of those questions. We'll get to those answers as we talk about the episode. Yes, broadcast the fourth of February, twenty twenty. Right before the before time ends. Mm-hmm. We got it a little earlier in the U.S. Filming made in June 2019, 5.6 million views, directed by Toby Frown, which is a sad name. Mm. Toby Frown. Are we having like the, he's never heard that joke before? Are we before. having the frowns over for dinner? Yes. He, and Helen Jenkins wrote it. I love so much about this episode. And I'm going to give a bunch of the credit to Toby because a lot of it is camera work that is really, really interesting. Like the opening credits are superimposed on top of scenes inside of a dollhouse and oh, the, the cameras panning around through the hallways of a miniature house. This and it's is just very cool. Extremely filmic. Filmic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So we're, we're, we start out at the Life and Miniature Charity Fundraiser sponsored by the Beauvoisin Estates. Did you know they have two offices? Uh, they're coming up in the world. They have one in Midsummer and one in Reading. Ooh. So I went to the address in Reading. And? That doesn't exist. Of course not. Unfortunately. <laughs> Shock. So the idea is that this is the Midsummer Museum. Which already includes a collection of dollhouses, but the Beauvoisin Estates are donating a bunch of additional ones that belong to Olive Beauvoisin. And then there's a children's party, which can only be called the How to Be Annoying Children's Party. It's like a kid rave in a teepee? It's a kid (laughs) rave in a teepee. (laughs) With bubbles. Lots of bubbles. Yep. (laughs) Noisemaker disco balls and bubbles. Yeah. And a sad bird lady. Karis. We we have to separate a whole discussion of Jemima and the actress because she is the best part of this episode. She's so good. So the the kid party is being run by Karis, who's Caterpillar Kids, right? Yes. And she's the red-haired beauty. Did you see the way Winter looks at her and the way she looks at him when they first meet? Yeah, like, like... um, she's the killer. Look away. Look away. She's the killer. You you don't want to have anything to do with her. There is definite heat between them. And then when he sees her later on when she's with Wesley, mm-hmm. th- there's like a little mm, <laughs> trombone noise. Like, never mind that when he's making the googly eyes at her, she has just shot someone in that room. She has definitely <laughs> shot somebody. Like... There's more to her than meets the eye, Winter. You yeah. don't want to have anything to do with her. So there's a ton of, bu- I don't know why bubbles are such a big thing, but kids like bubbles, I guess. Bubbles are fun. They're kind of magical. Even now, when you look at them, they're like, wow, that's kind of cool. They're kind of cool. And the fact that they have a machine that makes them is They're fantastic. like temporary balloons. Yep. That's kind of what they are. 
Do you do you know what the most famous bubble machine in the world is? No. Well, so when I was a kid, Bubbles, Bubbles, Bubbles was all about Lawrence Welk. Yes. It's the Lawrence Welk bubble maker. Okay. It's in a hotel in Pittsburgh. Oh. It was made in 1938, and it's one of the first commercially built bubble machines. If you don't know who Lawrence Welk was, it's going to sound crazy. But in the 60s and 70s. Well, first of all, just pause, do a little Google, watch 10 seconds of a video and come back. That's all you need is 10 seconds of Lawrence Welk and you'll know. In the 60s and 70s, there was a a Eastern European man Mm -hmm. named Lawrence Welk Mm -hmm. with a very strong accent. Who played the accordion. Played the accordion and had the most sanitized versions of pop hits. They called it champagne music. Yes. It's a lot of polka. It's a lot of polka. And a lot of bubbles. And a lot of like... And it was on PBS here by the time I was aware of it, but maybe it was prime time when I was a kid. I don't know. Different. And they took uh, the, the kind of best, worst thing they did was they took modern pop music and did covers and did covers polka covers and at the end of every episode bubbles bubbles it was fantastic so there's the lawrence welk bubble maker and then i found two amazing records like world records about bubbles so how many what do you think the record is for the number of people blowing bubbles at the same time is this indoors or outdoors uh i don't know it's a good question okay i can't say I think it's outdoors. I'll give you 10K. 10,000. 23,000. 23,000 people blowing bubbles. In, in 1999 at the West Ham FC Football Club. Yep. They got 23,000 people to simultaneously blow bubbles at a football game. That must have and been set a so record. fun. The other interesting record I found was the number of bubbles blown with a tarantula in your mouth. What? The answer is 119. You know what my answer is? Blah. Zero. <laughs> I got one more thing about bubbles. Okay. I'm sorry. I found this amazing thing. Okay. okay. I'm going to give you a URL. You can put it in the show notes. It's andyandmike.org slash bubblecam. Okay. This couple, Andy and Mike, they have a bubble machine in their yard that is set up on a computer with a webcam. Okay. And if you go to their site and you click the button, you can watch it blow bubbles in their yard <laughs> anytime you want. Fantastic. And it shows you like the last few people um, who clicked the button where they were in the world. Oh. So you can, and there's a map where you can see all the people in the world who've clicked the button and made the bubbles go off. That's fantastic. But you can watch it blow bubbles for 15 seconds when you click That's- the button. Wonderful. They've had it going for years. That's it's very cool. Excellent. It's very cool. Yep. And they got a a little Ukraine flag in their yard now that you can see when the bubbles go. Oh, that's cool. In addition, there's a kid who has a giant recorder. Yeah, what's up with that? It's like as big as his arm. Like recorders aren't annoying enough. You're gonna make one that's bigger. Then they have the light show and the kids are just screaming. Yep. Is that supposed to be in the same building? Yeah. How do they not hear it in the other room? I don't know. Where Alexander Beauvoisin is talking. Well, clearly, children are quiet outside of the room. Does Beauvoisin mean like good view, pretty view? What's Voisin? It's actually more like good neighbor. Ah, okay. So He's not. No, he's not. He's Olive. I don't think Olive would approve of him. He's really giving away these dollhouses so he doesn't have to give them to his wife. Yeah. His ex-wife. Yeah, yeah. He's donating them to rub it in her face, which is why Fiona, his ex-wife, played by Claire Holman, who you will recognize from Ring Out Your Dead and Country Matters. Yes. 
I made you a pie, honey. Would you like a piece of pie? Why she just reaches in one of the houses and takes something out. I'm like, you don't do that at a museum, lady. And then I realized they're kind of hers. They're kind of hers anyway. So it's all right. Then we get a slow clap from... Wesley. Wesley Peters. Yeah. Never mind that he's like six foot 15 yep. in the back. He's huge. He's huge. Then Fiona leaves and then. Polly leaves. Polly leaves. So the, the, the wife leaves and then his girlfriend leaves. And he's up there. Well, you know, Olive uh, made sure that I knew that family was the most important thing. I'm a giant hypocrite who's about to get shot with a wooden bullet. <laughs> and then Kapow. Yeah. Blammo. I love the the gun barrel going through the the yeah. house. It it like turns a corner around the kitchen and goes down the hallway and like up the stairs. Un- it unlocks the front door and pushes it open. Like hello, I'm a giant. It looks like a cannon um, in the house, but it's you know it's just Karis with her yep. giant silencer. People always think silencers are silent. They're not. They don't go. Pshew. No. They go bang instead of bang. <laughs> It's still rather loud. It's still very loud. You'll have fun editing that sound. Yes, I will. <laughs> so he's shot. Mm-hmm. And then we get a new theme. Yes. Which is done in what's called the music box style. They're playing with the music in this season, and it's yep. fun. Yeah. I like it. What they do is use what's called toy pianos and toy xylophones to mm-hmm. make that music. And it's fun. They have fun with it. And then we have some sad balloons. Uh, they're not sad. They're overburdened because they're carrying a pistol. We don't know that yet. <laughs> and all I can think of is that's bad for the environment. Well, do you, where are those balloons going? Do you know about Balloon Fest? Oh, the yeah, the horrible so tragedy in, of Balloon Fest. In the 80s, if you don't know about Balloon Fest... We are giving you a treat here. Yeah. In the 80s, some individual in Cleveland, Ohio, thought it would be excellent to let go of a million balloons. They were trying to break a record. I think it was kind of an art installation, wasn't it? Sort of. Sort of. It was a big festival, and the coup de grace was the release of a million helium balloons. It goes as bad as you could imagine. Who, like, in every meeting, I would have started with, this is a bad idea. Guys, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. I don't care who caters. It's a bad idea. I don't. Have you told the airlines? Th- oh, no. Oh, oh, you think we should? What about the Coast Guard? Did anybody tell them? No. Oh, okay. The, there was an individual who passed away trying to rescue people because of this. Yeah. It killed they, somebody. Because they saw balloons in the water and they thought it was a body. Yep. And because a red balloon, bunch of red balloons and a red life jacket look very similar. Yep. And it, he drowned. It starts as a fantastic idea and goes bad really quickly on like citywide proportions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Statewide proportions. Yeah. It basically. was big. Yeah. Balloon fest. There's another Google for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think, you know, Karis is kind of abusing party balloons here, like making them an accessory to her crime. That's not safe. Somebody would have found that. Yeah. Those balloons are going to come down and some kid's going to be like, cool. Look what's attached to these balloons. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sally, why are you dead? Those balloons weren't fun at all. Even Bad idea. Even... Let's just say the balloons run out of the helium and they fall on a car that's driving down the road. Clunk. 
clunk. Yeah. Well, you know, Karis is full of bad ideas, so oh, I'm not she, really surprised. She is indeed full of bad. I have many and varied interests. Oh, Fleur, you are but fantastic. Really, this is the Fleur and Jemima show, the whole episode. Yeah. It is. I just heard. It's funny that we're talking about Jemima because I I just heard on another podcast, on the Lorman podcast, which we had those guys on our show a while back. They were talking about this woman who was some kind of weird prophet in the 1700s, and her name was Jemima, and her followers were called the Jemimakins. (laughs) And every time we see Jemima in this episode, I just think those kids are the Jemimakins. Yay, Jemima, we're the Jemima kids. I expected to see a bunch of little kids in that bird outfit. Yep. <laughs> Running around. You got to give credit to costume here too, because her bird outfit is, is just, just fantastic. Mwah, it's perfect. It's just, it looks both sad and pathetic at the same time. And it helps her look more angry. Oh, she's so fantastically <laughs> angry. Well, and you know, you know who she is. You know who Katie Brand is. Who? She's Joe Brand's daughter. Oh, okay. Can I go to the Brand's house? Because that would be a, a meal I would enjoy. And Joe Brand is fantastic. You don't know who Joe Brand is. She's a comedian. She's an actor. She's been, she was on Taskmaster here recently. Yeah. She's been on all, everything. But she, she had a career as a nurse before this. She was a psychiatric nurse yeah, for she, a long time. Yeah. And then decided to ch- change her career and as a woman, that was a giant deal. And it could not have been easy. Unapologetic about how she looks, oh, her yeah. age. Yep. Her She's like, I'm fat, so what? Yep. And and yet I think is sophisticated and beautiful at the same time. Absolutely. So So it's it's no wonder that her daughter yeah. is awesome and just eats the screen up because yeah. Katie Brand is great in this. Yeah. A whole lot of people hate Alexander Bovozon. Yes. Right? Every everybody hates him. It's really a parade of motives to kill him. It could have easily been a murder on the Orient Express situation. Oh, it could where be easily. like six people killed him at the same time so yep. that none of them could be convicted because wow, they all had good reason. Yeah. So there's his soon-to-be ex-wife, Fiona, yes. who he's jerking around and just being horrible to. Then there's the Wakomas, whose daughter was killed by CO2 poisoning in a rental property that he owned that he has taken no responsibility for at all. On the 26th of June, 2016, close to my birthday. Hey. I was just happy that Winter had a phone case. <laughs> Did you see Jemima's phone case? Yes. With the giant unicorn on it? Put it's that in your corner. Put that in you your pocket. You can't put it in your purse or your pocket. No way you can put it in your pocket. So both Finn and Samuel Wakoma certainly have motive. Absolutely. Then there's Erin Turner, the college girl, who's the best friend of the girl who died. She's got motive. And never mind Holly, who's a former sniper, now private detective, who's been paid to pretend to be his girlfriend and had to put up with his crap. Yep. She can't stand him. I had to ask. I had to be like, do you think they had the sexy sex? Yeah. She's living with him. Oh. Then there's Maxine. That's a little too much for a gig. Who runs the museum. And he's been jerking her around, trying to take away her toy store and everything. Yep. And Karis, who sees Maxine as kind of a mother figure, so she's been seeing him be cruel to her. All these people could have killed him, and everybody would have been like, yeah, I kind of deserved it. I thought they were probably going to, she was going to probably expose Aaron as not a real swimmer because she is clearly not Not a a swimmer. swimmer. No, no. (laughs) 
Not a wild swimmer. Um, she has a, a, a wetsuit. She does. That's she about, can swim, but she is not, not a competition swimmer. Not well. And certainly not at the Midsummer University level. Do you want to talk about the university? Shall we talk about it? So the university is thrown in because of Aaron and because of the, the girl who gets killed. Laura. Yeah. Yeah. And I like their logo. <laughs> it looks... Like a university, like I, a like a community campus is what it looks there's, like. There's a couple of things in this episode where I have in my notes, I would like that, please. <laughs> All of the Midsummer University posters and signs and stuff. Are I you would, a renter? No, you're right. Yes, I would like to have any of those. Mm-hmm. But they do a good job of making it look like a university. They, 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 they get an adequate number of extras who are the right age to bustle around. I just like the logo and wanted all the signs. <laughs> they interview the girlfriend. And yes. what I noticed about the interview with the girlfriend is she gives him a ton of information. Oh my gosh. Holly, because she's a cop, former cop, she's like, here's all this information that you need to know without me telling you who I actually am. Yeah. Right? And I liked, like, that's really good writing. Yeah. That I noticed that because I knew that she was a cop. Yeah. On second watching, I could see what she was doing with with that character. Because I think what we're supposed to believe is that what she'd really like to do is talk to them cop to cop and tell them what she knows, but she can't yet. And she performs like cop level first aid. Right. And like, I like that that is, there are so many times in this show that we've said, these are cops not acting like cops. Yeah. And yet she is a cop who goes into automatic when she sees somebody who she's involved with. She she obviously she sees anybody. Yeah. She knows how to help, so she does. She, she she knows how to help and does. Yeah, which if you're properly trained, that's what you do. So then she runs home covered in blood, <laughs> which she's not phased by. Okay, so, so I have a question for you about when she goes home. Okay, when we see her get dropped off by the car. Yes. She walks into the house, goes upstairs, drops stuff off on the bed, right? Yeah. And she's heading into the bathroom to get her secret phone out of hiding to make a phone call. But before she goes through the bathroom door, there's a panel on the wall and she pushes some buttons on it and then she goes in the bathroom. What is that? I have no idea. Oh. Because I was completely obsessed with something else in the scene. Oh, okay. The scene begins with her arriving at the the place. This is Alexander's house. Hey, Alexander's house. Now, it, we see this from out from inside the house. Mm-hmm. The front door is just wide open. The front door is wide open. And then the camera pans down and then there is a cut, very quick cut. And then we're at the ceiling of the first floor. Mhm. So there's a there's a part missing there. But okay. they they hid that cut super well. I had to watch it four or five times. <laughs> okay. To see that cut. We're getting in the weeds here. The yeah. door is wide open. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> the vans outside where the mom mom I got apart cops yes. are. <laughs> the white stick brigade, as we used to call them. Yes. With their cars that have paper signs on them that are clearly printed. Scientific support. You can see the tape again. Yes. <laughs> it's like, we should put something on this car. Uh, scientific support. She walks through the front door. She does not close the front door. No. 
So I am assuming that that is an alarm system that has been going off because the cops set it off. Ah. Uh, that is all I can think. And the controls are in the bedroom? That's all I it can It would make sense to have a yeah. control panel there as well as somewhere else. Yeah. And she phones Fiona, we learn later, and yeah. says, get me out of here. Yeah. And then we go to Fiona's place where the world's safest coffee table is. <laughs> It is dramatic because we've just seen the house she used to live in. Yes. And now she lives in a bed sit. She's in a bed sit. And her bed and her living room are yep. the same room. Well, luckily she falls over. She'll be safe hitting that glass top table, table because it has like cushions around. It's like a giant pillow with a glass top. Yeah. If you live, I guess, in a small enough room like that, you got to make sure you can't fall into stuff. Because her little day bed is over there in the corner. <laughs> Go ask his latest bimbo. She is She is not happy. Well, why wouldn't she be? I. It's uh, Right off the bat, it's interesting that they're one another's alibi. That the girlfriend and the ex are one yeah, another's alibi. It, it, I it's remember suspicious the first right time we bat. saw it, it was like, oh, something's going on here. And Holly says... To the cops that the movers were there this morning, right? So they've got this grand opening charity event planned and they don't bother to move the dollhouses until the day of the event, the day of. which makes no sense. No. Nope. So the movers were there that morning and Alexander acted as if he was almost afraid of them. Yes. Now, this implies that Holly doesn't know who the movers are and why he should be afraid of them. No. Nope. Which she would have to. To know. She would have done a background check on him. Part of the whole reason for her being there, right? Fiona has hired her because they're getting divorced and she's wanting to make sure he's not hiding assets from her in the divorce. So she yep. gets her fair share. And part of the reason why they're getting a divorce is that she hates that he was so underhanded yep. about Laura's death and about not being an honorable person and how, he, you know, he... So they, he, she would have known treat that family right, right away. Holly would know who the Wacomas are. Never mind the side of the truck it says, says their name on it, which it, he would have never hired them to move the dollhouses. The Wacomas don't need any extra motive. It's just not needed. No, no. But I just don't know why she doesn't know who they are. It's, um, it's very weird. You know what else is weird? What? The world's darkest workout gym. Uh, my notes just says, Wesley works out in the goth gym. The goth gym. Because <laughs> it's dark and it's got like like atmospheric music, like trance music. Yep. So he says he was uh, nine stone before that. Mm -hmm. Do you know how A much stone's that? 14 pounds, right? So how much is nine stone? 90 plus 36. So he was like uh, 130 pounds or so. 126 pounds. He was a wee... If he was that tall and he was 126 pounds, yeah. he was a stick. He was definitely a stick. He ain't a stick anymore. So he's definitely says he never did anything with the boiler and it was Nico. The last time we we met Nico, a Nico in Midsummer though, Cully almost fell in love with him. Yes. Right? Nico. Yep. Um, this is a different Nico. Winter can't pick up the barbell? Yeah. So the barbell <laughs> says 22.5 kilograms. Do you know how much that is? No. It's 50 pounds. Anyone can lift up that barbell. But Wesley had one of those in each hand. Yeah, he was doing curls with 50-pound barbells. That's a lot. Yeah, he obviously, the actor, uh, knows the gym. Well, he's buff. Yeah. He's, when he's doing it, his muscles are like rippling. Yep. All I know is Olive weighs about 24 pounds, and I can carry her for about 30 seconds before my arm gets tired. 
So I can't imagine lifting twice that with one hand. They go to the mortuary. Alexander's body is there and floors. Not the mortuary, the autopsy. The coroner's. Yes. They call that a mortuary. Though. Okay. I know we call, we, we think mortuary and funeral home are equal. Yes. Their coroner and mortuary are the same thing. Floor's got the body there. She comes in and she says she's sorry she's late and sorry if she smells bad. Yes. Why does she say that? Because she's been moving. So she worked up a sweat. So instead of saying, sorry if I'm a bit sweaty. Yes. She says, sorry if I smell bad. Yes. Okay. That's what I got. I was confused by that. There's also right before that, a split second like transition that has just seagulls. Yeah. And then her. Yeah. Like, what? Huh? So I thought, does she smell like fish? Has she been to the beach? Why does she smell? She's just sweaty. And Barnaby falls right into her flat pack furniture trap. So this is... Oh, well, let me know if you need any help. She's like, ha, 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 ha. I, love, I do. I love these little things, <laughs> right? So I love these little traps that people do to challenge people and their notion of what they say. Yeah. I love because that she says, I know you only said it to be polite, but that's not my problem, is it? That is so fantastic. <laughs> but only she can pull that off. Oh, yeah. If I tried to do that, I would never be able to pull that off. The other person would just go, well, I'm not doing it. But she's Fleur, so she can pull it off. The 1917 Lundberg gun. Lundberg. Lundberg. Do you want to know about that? Yeah. Oh, and Sarah's long history of what side have I had to go to now. <laughs> By the way, don't Google the name of her motorcycle women game. Oh, I, what is it? The ladies in leather. Oh, God, no. Don't Google that. I had to go to some questionable gun sites, though, yes. to learn about this. So the gun that they show, yes. the picture of the gun, that's actually a Luger PO8. Oh, okay. All right, which is a fairly common gun with a suppressor. It, it cannot shoot wooden bullets. No. A Luger cannot shoot wooden bullets. However, the gun that they're claiming it is, a 1917 Lundberg being a Swedish semi-automatic pistol, is absolutely based on a real gun that was made to shoot wooden bullets called a Shubo. S-C-H-O-U-B-O-E. Okay. Also Swedish. Okay. About four or five hundred of them were made. They were made to shoot forty-five and, and thirty-two caliber wooden bullets. Okay. Why wooden? Well, it depends who you ask. Okay. Some sources say that wooden bullets are intended to be non-lethal crowd control. Yeah. However, if you ask a World War II vet, which is basically what I did by reading an interview with several World War II vets talking about the wooden ammunition they found in abandoned German foxholes mm -hmm. during the war, the wooden bullets were made to splinter when they hit you. Oof. So not only would they penetrate your skin and kind of like and kind of blow up, but they would splinter and they coated them in this purple dye that was caustic. Oh. So when it splintered, not only would you have a hard time having an operation and removing all those pieces, but each of those little fractions of a bullet would be causing additional damage. Causing septus, basically. Yeah. Horrible infections. Wow. Horrible infections. So they were rather cruel bullets. The fact that Beauvoisin gets shot with one and it just goes through is kind of amazing because that's not what they're made to do. Yeah. And it's a big enough caliber that it would have been a big enough bullet. But then I learned something else interesting. Okay. 
according to the internet. The intranet? Wooden bullets are fatal to vampires if you shoot them in the heart. Okay, that makes sense, kind of, but goes against my rule in the house. Which is? You can't argue over imaginary characters. <laughs> I don't think it would kill them, because I've always thought that you put the stake in, that kills them, but if you take it out, they heal and come back. It has to stay there. Uh, different mythos have different things with the stake. So if the wooden bullet went through and out the back, they'd be fine. Well, I, I know that's how it works in some places. But I also know that, like, Buffy, when you put the stake in, that dusts them. So Oh, they just dissolve. Yeah. I'm going by Monster Squad rules, not <laughs> no. Buffy rules. Where Wolfman has nard. <laughs> I, I always love looking at the people who search for this also ask these questions. I always love looking at that in Well, Google. I can understand in, in a role-playing game in which you're playing against vampires, vampires having yeah. wooden bullets would make at least an argument that you need to discuss. Right, yeah. Well, it's definitively answered now, isn't it? Well, John's really. definitively going to do that fat, flat pack furniture. Oh, yes, he is. He's no good at it either. We're off to Wacoma removals. Mm-hmm. And we get some people upset with the cops, and they give us some information, and that's it. You can't blame Sam Wacoma for being negative about the cops. No. You can't blame Wesley for being negative about the cops. Nope. Like, it's, it's they both got a raw deal. I mean, not more raw than Laura Wacoma got, because she's dead, but a raw deal. Finn, the son, and Aaron give conflicting alibis for one another. Were they at Laura's grave? Was he home watching, playing video games with his dad? What's yeah. going on? Barnaby's tough on Aaron, He's the college girl. He's like, one of you's lying, and I'm going to find out which one. Well, Erin has some problems. Did you like how she was characterized by the things on her backpack? What was on her backpack? On her backpack, she has the following. <laughs> a Midsummer University patch. Yes, I want one. Uh-huh. A stoned smiley face. Okay. A tree that is half alive on one side and half on the and, and dead on the other. I'm assuming it's an environmentalist patch. Okay. Uh, the word peace in mm. many colors and different designs. Okay, and, so she's hippie, tree and, hugger, drug doer. And an earth. But in her office, what we didn't mention earlier was one of the answers to our mini episode questions, which was what debut album are all the kids into? The answer to that question is Mo Stack and yeah. his debut album, Stacko. Did you listen to Mo Stack's record? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. I listened to some of it. Mo Stack's record is, it's rough. He started out on YouTube and then got a, a record deal, made a couple of records. Yeah. I've got nothing against that kind of music, but he doesn't have any talent. She has a pig in a mask in her office, mm -hmm. a troll nurse, mm -hmm. not the only troll in this episode. Nope. She is a robot, the same robot from the Robot Factory. Yep. A Midsummer University Crest, which I also want. Uh, the Vauxhall Beer Festival poster. A giant spider, a Skeletor mask, a, and a skull. Yeah. She's got a fun office. She does. It's a student office. Yeah. Student work office. So she was running a campaign against bad landlords, including Beauvoisin. She was supposed to have some kind of protest protest at the charity do, but then called it off at the last minute. Did you see what her biggest complaint about the housing was? No. It was damp. Oh, yeah. Damp and falling apart. Damp and falling apart. 
Falling apart, I understand. Damp? Damp is big deal. You're in England. You don't want mold. No, but you're in England. Everything's damp. Yeah, I suppose. There's a purple thread in the dollhouse where the, the shot was fired from and some of Sam Lancoma's blood. Right? Yes. So he cut himself moving miniature furniture. He was bubble wrapping miniature furniture on the morning that they were moving them on the same day they were going to yeah. show them. Maybe he was just going so fast. Maybe. Um, how does Jemima's feather get into the house? I think it's probably planted. Oh. By whom? By um Karis doesn't dislike Jemima yet. She has no. No th- nothing against Jemima yet. So she didn't do it. And she's the one who shot. I don't know. Do not know. Well, if anybody figures that out, how does Jemima's feather get into the dollhouse? <laughs> Because I couldn't figure that out. Which sounds like a bizarre thing. (laughs) Jemima's feather in the dollhouse. Then we get to go to the toy shop. We've been to the toy shop in the cold opening with the creepy housewife music box. Look at the size of those nut crackers. (laughs) The the lady in the dress on the music box looks like she's supposed to be holding something that's missing. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But apparently it plays constantly. Wouldn't that make you crazy? It would absolutely make me insane. So Maxine's toy shop is in a store straight out of a Charles Dickens novel. Yep. Why would anybody shop there? I don't know, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful building. It's a beautiful shop, but it's not a good business. No. But apparently she does most of her business online. To Tokyo. Because I'm sure Maxine is real computer savvy. Yep. There's a troll doll here, too. Yes, of course. She makes miniatures to order. Yes. But right now, she's working on a miniature copy of her own shop. And And both both Sarah and I. Oh, wait. We get this awesome shot through a skylight in the roof to her face. Yep. And she's working on it. And then the whole time she's talking to Barnaby, we're seeing her half in a magnifying glass and half not. Yep. Which this actress, um, her name is Eleanor Braun. She was also in The Dark Rider. She was the... Um, the mom. The, the the yeah, the wife of the Duke or whatever, yep. where they were having the reenactment in the yard. Um, but... She is so confident because I would not want my face under a magnifying glass on TV. (laughs) You'd think you'd see every nose hair and bad pore and whatever, but she doesn't care. One thing I noticed that she says, she says everything true. Yeah. Everything she says is true, but she leaves out that she killed Nico. Yeah. She's like, I didn't kill Alexander. And if you had any evidence to prove it, you would have brought it up by now. I know I didn't do it, so I don't have anything to say to you. Yep. Meanwhile, I'm screaming. We, I went into full capitals in my notes. <laughs> because even the gosh darn fake wisteria blooms in midsummer. It is all over that miniature. Fake blooming wisteria. And she sits there and arranges it with a pair of tweezers. And I'm like, are you just rubbing it in my face that your wisteria will bloom and mine never would? But Maxine is like, oh, let me minutely rearrange each vine of this beautiful wisteria that's also in reality on the front of my toy shop. And I'm like, hate you. Karis rents a room for Maxine. So she lives at the toy shop, right? And so does Maxine, right? They both live there. Yeah. Um, when Karis is talking to Barnaby before he goes up to talk to Maxine, she has on like a sundress 
over a t-shirt. Yes. And you can see the top of the t-shirt and it just looks like a jumble of letters. I looked and looked and looked trying to figure out what that t-shirt said. I could not figure it out. The letters that we see clearly are A-E-T-H-R-N-T. I've got a picture of it. We'll post it. I can't figure it out. I don't know what it is. If you can figure it out, let us know. My notes say, damn it, even the miniatures have flowering wisteria. Sarah, the doggies on the bus. That's what they go to the soft play place next. Oh. Soft play centers just kind of creep me out. Yeah, I I we asked uh what was not for children in the soft play center. Mm-hmm. Now, on this viewing, I you asked me that. And I said the scissors because there's an entire bucket of bucket. non-child safe scissors. But I forgot what it actually was. What? The window into the soft play place has marijuana leaves on it. Oh, that's right. It does. It has pot leaves stickers on the window. Yep. They are clearly pot leaves. Yep. This place is just kind of strange. Yeah. Like it's not a daycare. No. It's not a Chuck E. Cheese. No. It's like a mommy and me sort of deal. Like you bring your kid there at certain times and they have like play events. But did you know that in the UK there are adult soft play centers? Oh, okay. I'm not sure I want to ask. Sarah, what is an adult play soft soft it's, play center? It's a place that has a large jungle gym with tubes and slides and stuff that grown-ups can play in and adult-sized ball pits. Oh. There's one that's also a bar and it's called Bolly Ballersons. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> And half of their website is an explanation of how once a week they wash all the balls, including videos where you can watch them washing the balls. Still, I would not. This is a bar that has a three foot deep ball pit throughout it. You can't go anywhere and not be three feet deep in balls. Wow. And it's a bar. Wow. Bolly McBallersons? Yes. We have to put a link to that. Uh, my only hope is that they serve all their drinks in plastic cups. And okay, people get sick at bars. Yeah, they do. And I've been to enough ball pits. With and they children. only wash the balls on Mondays. Uh, oh. So if you go on a Friday, Ooh. you're like five days after yeah. the balls have been washed. Ooh. Saturday night's even worse. I, I assume they're closed on Sundays. Hey, Flora's a motorbike. Yay. Two. What are they called? She's named them. Yes. She names them Gladys and Brenda. <laughs> Which are weird names. I love that she has a sidecar. And that sidecar is awesome. And and I don't I, I don't know if the actress genuinely likes motorcycles. If she doesn't, she pulls it off because she is so genuinely happy, even just sitting on that motorcycle. Okay. That I want to ride a motorcycle. Yep. Now you have to, the motorcycle at the end, and we'll get to that. Yeah. You have to realize that A, actors don't usually ride, uh, drive cars. Right, they're or towed. Ro- or rode the motorcycle. Yeah. No, even before they're towed, usually if you see any shot of that thing moving without it being towed, it's an it's a stunt person. Right. Because the insurance doesn't want it. Yeah. To deal with that. Yeah. And then the second thing is if you see their face while it's going on, it's being towed. Right. 
right? So they're not really driving it. They're riding on it. Which is why you can have conversations in cars, which if you actually had a conversation like people in movies have in cars. You, you crash all the time. Crash. Look at the road. All the time, as my wife would say. Fleur goes to the Wacoma Storage Center to get her bikes out of storage. Yes. So I guess we're supposed to assume that up to this point, she has been a temporary coroner. And now she's committing to staying in midsummer. Yes. And Barnaby gets on her case a little, as he should. I don't like the way he does it. He should trust her more. But she also is super professional in this area. Yeah, she is. So, because, so she knows the Wacomas because they helped her move yeah. into her prior place, I guess. And she's friendly and they know her. And when she goes to pick up her motorcycles... Sam does kind of bring up the case, but she doesn't give anything away, but she no. does listen. She listens. That's where she gets the and information. And she tells Barnaby right away. Yes, right away. Like in the next scene, and I would never discuss evidence. But it's also assessment. a way to get her, to get him into her new house so he can put together bookshelves. Okay, but I'm not calling Barnaby to help with the bookshelves. No, obviously he's, not. He, incompetent. He's quite incompetent. So red herring Aaron is throwing a gun in the water. Yes. That's... Finn has given her because he thinks that Sam might have killed uh, Beauvoisin, which he didn't. Yes. Really, this whole episode would be fine without Aaron. She doesn't need to be there. It gives us a reason to go to Midsummer University, which is fun. Yeah. But if Finn had just chucked the gun on his own, it would have been fine. And he doesn't even need to do that. He could just say, I'm, I'm kind of covering for my dad because he wasn't where he says he was. And I'm worried that he might have done something stupid. Yeah, which... A good son would do. And this whole idea that every time they have a house clearing, Sam's finding guns in people's houses. Yeah. Like maybe along like a shotgun, like a farm gun, but not a pistol. Not a pistol. Pistols are rare in the UK. Yeah. And you would know where they are. But we get the mom, mom, I got a part, a named part. Okay. Tom Anderson plays forensic officer who wears a blue suit and has an iPad. Yes. And says... They never check the magazine. Yep. It's got fingerprints from a known perp on it. Yep. And then turns the iPad. That's mom, mom, I got a forensic spark. And there is Wesley Peters' rap sheet. Giant face. <laughs> and then he just walks off. Yeah. Like, I've done my bit here. I'm out. The, the, the scuba guys, you know, are, they're like repeating characters. We don't know who they are, but that unit yeah. shows up. And looks military and does their bit. Yes. But Tom Anderson, good job with the iPad. Then we see Jemima following somebody. Mm -hmm. And the foley of her and her car is fantastic. When she's in her VW with the, the polka dots on it. Yeah. She peels out. Yeah. Who's, who goes past her? Um, she must see. Karis. Karis. And Maxine. And Maxine. With the body in the rug. Yes. Because Maxine has shot Nico, put him in the basement, then Karis has encased him in concrete, concrete. And then they dug him up. And then chipped him out of the concrete again, wrapped him in a rug, and now they're taking him to the storage facility. Yes. Because that's the best place for him? I guess so. Whose storage container are they putting him in? I don't know. Because if it's that theirs, the first question that's I would kind ask. of a gimme. Yep. <laughs> and if it's not theirs, how do they get in it? I don't know. They get in it because Nico worked for the Wacomas, apparently, and, and had a card. swipe card. He had the swipe card. Or, or he had a storage container there, yeah. which I think, I think it's supposed to be his. I think he might be living there. Now, no, I think he stole stuff and yeah. kept it there. 
But I've never heard of a storage container with a swipe card reader. I don't know. They don't have electricity in them. They're just big metal boxes. I don't know. But it goes blip, 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 blip. And she sees them through the fence that Finn has just painted and gets green paint on her feathers. Yes. Because she never takes that off. We see her in one One scene. scene. She's not in the set. When she's locking the world's biggest padlock for the kids' supplies, apparently. Well, it's because she thinks that what's-her-name is stealing from her. Yeah. So she's going to put a giant padlock on everything. You're not getting my construction paper and glue sticks, you thieving woman. It's pizza night in midsummer. They don't get to eat it. Okay. Who's the dude who says goodbye to Tom before winter comes know. back? Somebody says goodbye to Tom. Like, Mom, Mom, I got a goodbye. I'm heading out. Good night, Tom. Good night. Have you eaten pizza in England? I know we've both been to England. Have you eaten pizza in England? It's not good. They're lucky that they didn't eat that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's improved. <laughs> I haven't been there in a while. Maybe it's better. But when I was there, especially in 93, I ordered a pizza and I was like, this is not pizza. It was inedible. If you're English, if you're from Britain or the UK, please come to our country and eat some real pizza. Or go to Italy. It's closer. Yes. And have some real pizza. You'll probably take like a <laughs> bus or something. You're probably just minute drive. hop on a train, go to Italy for lunch, and then come home. Wesley has a really scary shack. He does. Wesley, I'm kind of I'm, traumatized by Wesley's shack. I'm a little worried about Wesley because he was planning on taking... Kidnapping Wes- Bovazan. Kidnapping Bovazan. And torturing him. Chaining him up in a shack in the woods. And when Winters confronts him, we have a real fight. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Wesley is in shape. This is not a normal midsummer, oh, I'm going to chase you. There's or punching. tackle you. There is punching. This is... This might be the most real fight we've seen on midsummer. I would say Winter is luckily, lucky that Wesley wants to get away. Yeah. Because if he didn't want to get away, he could have hurt him big time. And then Winter would have been in the scary shack. Yeah. I don't want to go in that place. It's like chains hanging from the ceiling and a big cast iron wood burning stove. And he's like practically sharpening knives and putting down a tarp. <laughs> he's got bad plans. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm he's worried. lucky they caught him. Well, he's lucky Karis, his ex-girlfriend, shot the guy first, I guess. Yeah. She saved him from himself. So Barnaby and Winters go to the soft play center to see Jemima. Mm-hmm. And Jemima's dead. It's horrific. Yeah. It's scary with the music and everything. The bubbles are going because yep. they're always going. The music, that little toy ukulele she's got yeah. that just plays pre-recorded songs with a little knob. It's yeah. like... Yeah. And then you just see the feet, yep. the, the bird feet out yep. of the ball pit. <laughs> you, you have to laugh. I laughed. I can't help it. Yeah. She's so angry all the time. And you know she's... If, if if there's a soul and it's left her body, it's standing there going, oh, how could I die in a stupid ball pit? Oh, you the, messed up my costume. In Ugh. the very first scene where <laughs> Barnaby talks to her mm-hmm. and doesn't acknowledge the suit at all. Right. And she is so angry. Yes. They must have done that scene five or six times. Oh, they times had to at laugh. The very they least. had to laugh so because, many times. There's no way. Because they play that so straight. She, she shakes, is over she the top. She shakes her head. She's like, 
and she stole stuff from me. And the feathers are moving and the beak is moving. She is so worked up. She's the world's angriest little bird lady ever. <laughs> she does not a nose flare really well. Oh. She pulls the sides of her nose up like, oh, I'm going to bite your face or something. She's so mad. <laughs> and like, why? Why the bird? Why? Why that? It's just fantastic. <laughs> I mean... I, she could have she so many costumes. <laughs> oh Those my gosh! Big feet. Those big feet. She drives her car wearing that thing. Oh my god! So funny. So so funny. So Nico's dead in the storage container. Then and Jemima is dead in the ball pit. Yes. I did not remember until I rewatched this that Karis slits her throat with an old dirty knife. Yeah. Like, Alexander, you shot him from a distance, right? Yeah. It's not a big distance, but you're hidden. The gun has a silencer. You feel sort of removed. Sort right? of. But she slits her friend's throat with an old dirty knife that she used to cut concrete bags open. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Garris is uh, a little loopy, too. Yeah. Don't tell me you're looking out for Maxine. When you're willing to do that. Yeah. Because I'm not buying it. Also, she would have blood all over her. It all went in the ball pit. They're going to have to wash those balls. They're going to have to wash those balls. <laughs> Even come if it's Monday. not Monday. It doesn't matter if it's not Monday. You imagine kids <laughs> diving into the ball pit and coming up all covered in blood. I love the floor as a little bag. <laughs> <laughs> she puts some balls in a bag. Yep. Your evidence. Yep. But all the all the blood would go to the bottom. Oh, <sighs> They'd be all sticky and... So then there's a total red herring about making and selling fakes. Yes. Maxine's been making money by selling off things from the museum and replacing them with counterfeit. I didn't commit double murder, but my friend did. Yeah. Again, you're right. She tells, she she tells the truth. She oh, yeah. must know. Absolutely she knows. So, so let's just talk about these crimes, okay? Okay. So here's the narrative. Here's what happened. Alexander Bovozan is a jerk-faced landlord who wants Maxine to move out so he can sell the property she's living in. But his great-aunt, Olive, made a deal with Maxine that she could live there for the rest of her life. So it's not so easy to get her out. So he hires a thug who is a drug-addled thief, Nico, to harass her. Who apparently took pictures of Aaron, too. Naked. Yep. To harass Maxine and and mess up her business. He breaks into her place. She's scared and she shoots him. Yes. And then instead of calling the police and saying, I've had an intruder and I shot him with my grandfather's gun. She She decides, I'll just stick him in the basement. Yep. And then... Tell my mentally ill friend. Sit here sad for a few days until my friend comes home, who I only know because I saved her from committing suicide. Yes. We'll stick him in the basement, but now he's starting to smell. Let's cover him in concrete, right? Then Beauvoisin is putting more pressure on, saying, I'm going to come and inspect the property. I'm going to look at it top to bottom. Maxine and Karis both know that if he does that, he will find the body. He'll know that Nico is there and dead. And they'll be in trouble. So Karis decides, I got to take Alexander out. Now, she could do that at any time. 
but she decides I'm going to shoot him now in front of a room of people. Yes. Not before he goes there. Do it in the most. Or right after the event when he goes home. Yeah. Which is good because if she'd done either of those things, uh, Holly the sniper would have been ready. When this is all coming out, I have, you're a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, yeah. aren't you? So she kills Alexander because he's going to find out Maxine killed Nico. Then the ever-observant Jemima bird in her VW pops a wheelie and spins around and follows yep. them to the storage facility and sees them through a fence putting Nico's body in storage container. And then Karis finds out that she's seen her. So now Karis has to kill Jemima yes. to cover up that Maxine killed Nico and that she's killed Alexander. So she does it in the most Rusty weird... knife in the throat way. Yeah. So now Jemima's dead. I'm a little worried about Karis's mother now. Yeah. Like, was she sick? Was she? Or is this like a... Olivia Coleman's character back in the the Model Village episode Maybe. where it's like, oh yeah, my mom, she died. Yep. <laughs> but okay, she says it took her two minutes. So she has to leave the room with all the parents and kids. Mm -hmm. Highly observable. Yeah. Retrieve the gun from wherever she put it. In her bag. It was in her bag. Okay. Take the gun out of her bag. Mm -hmm. Shoot him without being seen. Mm -hmm. Then take the gun outside. Mm-hmm. Put, attach it to the balloons, mm -hmm. which you obviously had set up before, mm -hmm. and back to the room in in 120 seconds. Yeah. That's tough. Yes, but the obnoxious kid rave in the teepee is pretty loud. It is. And there's a lot going on. And once she dims the lights for the crazy light show... Maybe. I don't think it would be too hard for her to slip away from there. I don't get any one part of that. I'm okay with, but all of that in time, in two minutes, is a lot. Unless she had meticulously planned it. Like, she knew to the minute when he would be on stage. Yeah. And how long he would talk. Certainly And not. she'd already specked out where she was going to stand and how she could get through that door that's behind the dollhouse and shoot him, which would have been pretty difficult to do considering they only moved the dollhouses in that morning. Yeah. Never mind, Jemima's is just a crime of passion, instant opportunity, you know. And, oh no, I think she goes there planning on killing her. No, sorry. It's, but if she goes there kill, planning on killing her, could you not find something a little better? Well, she goes there to make sure Jemima's not going to talk. And Jemima's obviously okay. going to talk, so Any, she has to kill her. Does she know Jemima? And to anyone going... I just met her in a dark place because I wanted her not to talk. <laughs> one, one of those people is ending up dead. Yes, yes. I'm just going to go have a little talk with her. Yes. Yeah. Here's the other thing. The gun that Karis is using is Maxine's. Yes. And it's actually her grandfather's gun or something. Yes. So was her grandfather a Nazi? Well, no, it was a Swedish gun, you said. But... Made to use wooden bullets. Maybe he's a vampire hunter. <laughs> Do they need silencers? I don't. Why would Maxine have a silencer? If it was a military gun, if it was a, a sidearm for a soldier, it doesn't need a silencer. Yeah. You know, when you're creating these things, you try not to get bogged down in details. Mm. And I think that some point the writer was just like, it's a gun with wooden bullets. Okay. They don't have to be wooden. No, they don't. I don't know why they have to be wooden. <gasps> Unless Alexander's a vampire. Never mind the fact that <laughs> as soon as that thing went off, everyone in the room would turn and look at her. Oh my gosh, yes. Like instantaneously. Yeah. 
And they would have at least seen that door closing behind her. Little wisps of red hair. If that's if she was super fast. Yeah. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that suck? You you have the perfect crime. You're gonna slip away, and then your door get your hair gets shut in the door. <laughs> Ow! That would hurt so bad. <laughs> my hair is stuck in the hinge. Help me. Okay. <laughs> Ah, uh, then we get the quintessential, you know, pretty day at the Barnabys with the cookout and the, the grills going. She's got a nice apron. Now, did you notice? She likes strawberry bubble baths just like you. Okay. Why you, is the house there? I don't know, but did you notice the Easter egg? What? The woman in the bath. Oh, yeah. She's the bride in the bath. She has a, she has a white dress on. Yes. She is the bride in the bath from that episode. Yeah, yeah. I think Floor's recreating that murder. Like that Which is, she would. That is clearly that but episode. Is Clive hanging in the basement a reference to anything? <laughs> I don't know. Because I couldn't remember no, no a man one, named Clive who no, got hung in a basement. No. Mm-mm. The best part of this episode is Patty's little goggles. It's so cute. Yeah. And you have to assume that Fleur had those and brought them with her. Well, why wouldn't she? She knew Patty was going to be there. <laughs> All right. So, best corpse. Oh! Nice corpse. I think the best corpse is Jemima lying in the ball pit. I understand why you say that, but I'm going to give it to Nico. Okay. Because Nico's been dead longer and he has to look grosser. I can see that. And he's got like black splotches on him and stuff. Yeah, but he... Uh, it's a clo- It's close. Isn't in a giant sad bird costume. <laughs> <laughs> laying in a ball pit. That's yeah. true. All yeah, right. like any air would make that bird costume move. Oh yeah. So that's why she doesn't have the head on. Yeah. The feathers and stuff. They're sitting. It's sitting over to the side. Yeah. All right. After the credits, uh, Karis is going to jail. Is Fiona going to jail? No. Fiona gets everything. Fiona gets everything, and she and Holly are going to be friends. And that scene where she balls out Barnaby. Yeah. Is really good acting. Yeah. I wanted a family and a husband who cared about me. And I got neither. So I'm, so I'm taking fighting this house. for what I've got. Yeah. And it is a gorgeous house. It's a super good scene. And I think Holly and her will kind of hang out. Well, Claire Holman's just a really good actress. Yeah. She's great in Lewis, too. Yeah. She plays Lewis's love interest. I wish she was in this episode a bit more, but. Yeah. Maxine, going to jail. Yeah. Wesley, going to jail. Solving a police officer and having. A, a torture, torture shack. <laughs> you call it torture hut? <laughs> torture bird, shack, baby. The sad bird lady in the torture shack. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's angry bird lady. Angry bird lady in the torture shack. Angry, That's the name of the episode. Angry Jemimakins. Finn. A Finn, and, Finn and his dad, Sam, are going to be okay. Yep, and Aaron's okay, too. Yeah, maybe he'll go back to school. He'll go to college, too. Maybe. <laughs> And unnamed forensic officer with iPad. You know what my note says about him? Hmm. Mom, mom, I got a print. Ah, because he can process fingerprints on the spot. On the spot. That's not how it works. Are you ready for a horrible movie? Oh, lay it on me. Oh, man. This movie is terrible. Ha, I bet Mark's seen it. I'm giving it 50-50 here. Okay. Because there's reasons for you to have absolutely seen this movie and reasons for you not to have. Okay. This is a 1989 film. 1989. 
And Carl Collins, who plays Sam Wacoma in this episode, is yes. in this movie. Okay. I would have been college. Here is the synopsis. Yep. On the run from hitmen, young Johnny Fortune escapes from a life in basement pool rooms to become a dancing bear with the strangest Punch and Judy man in the business. No, I don't know this movie. It stars Tom Waits. Wow. He is Johnny Fortune. No, like, why did I not see this movie? That's why I thought you probably it's got had Punch seen and it. Judy. It's got John Waits in it. I'm Tom betting Waits. it's Tom Waits. I'm betting this may be a John, Jim Jarmusch joint. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's called Bearskin. Bear Bearskin. <laughs> 1989. Wow, I've never seen this movie. Wow, I was nervous about that one. I thought, man, he knows Tom Waits. He likes yeah. Tom Waits. If you're not familiar with Tom Waits, he's a, a singer. And he's got a voice gravelly like voice. This. Yeah, he's got a really good gravel Played voice. Played Renfield in uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, with Gary Oldman. Super good. Yeah, he's a good actor. And all the, all the reviews say... The only good thing about it is that Tom Waits is in it. Yeah. But everything he, he does is suck, and the script is suck, and the movie is suck. But Tom Waits is in it, so. Next week, we do episode 125, The Sting of Death. Honey! Honeybees! CGI honeybees! Uh, which is season 21, episode 3. Then we take a week off, and then we do with Bated Breath, which is the... First appearance of podcasters in Midsummer. Yes, it is the first time podcasters are, are in Midsummer. It is. Um, but they're nothing like us. No. But in the meantime, go to the links for the for this episode so you can find the survey. Yes. And give us your opinion on where we should start with Mystery Maniacs. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and email. Please follow us on Instagram. We're going to get to that thousand level and be able to do some new cool stuff. Yep. Buy a t-shirt to donate money for Ukraine who are hungry if you are so inclined download the uh kiwi game yeah yep it's called midsummer murders easy uh, to like, find like subscribe and ring the bell on youtube we're also painfully close to a thousand subscribers <laughs> on youtube we're getting close to 750 which means we're only 250 people away we know 250 people get on the stick folks yeah Get some YouTube, like, follow, subscribe going on. Yeah. And once again, next week, the sting of death. All right. Until then, bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. In the meantime, you should be no, wait a minute. There's been there's been podcasters before. The one with the the magic show. Those two ladies are no, it's a natural healing crystal y show. The That's one guy's a new doing episode on Am I thinking about I'm out of order? Yes. Never mind. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs>